I may ask you to come with me in your Bible to the book of the Revelation and the third chapter, please. Revelation chapter number three. I'm going to read some very familiar verses with you today. So pardon me if you find me dipping with the woodpecker in and out of this. I don't know what the sun does, but it affects my voice from time to time. It makes me a little bit hoarse. However, I don't know that it makes a big old boss because I was preaching down in Belfast on Thursday night and uh, there was a dear old brother come up to me after the meeting and he looked at me and he said, Brother, I've been wearing this hearing aid for 20 years. You know one of the hard things that whistles up and down and in and out. I said, good man, good man, does it help you? He said, that's the first time in 20 years I had to turn it down instead of turn it up. <laughs> so, the voice wasn't been all that bad. However, that's how it goes. Now, come with me to verse number 14 of the chapter, please. And I want to read the Lord's message to the church at Laodicea. In chapters 2, uh, three of the revelation here you have the messages to the seven churches and of course if you look at them in detail you'll find that they are a prophecy given by the risen Lord standing at the gate of the church age and he's letting us see what we now know as church history because we're right here in the Laodicean age the word Laodicea, it means the rights of the people. And that surely describes the day we live in. Civil rights and wrongs creeping in everywhere across the world. And what's in the world today is very often in the church tomorrow. I think that's very sad when we begin to copy what the world is doing among the people of God. However, that's how things go. But these messages also have a very, very practical setting. And it's the practical side that I want to get up to this one this morning, but we'll read the whole letter together. Verse 1, sorry, verse 14 of chapter 3. And unto the angel, or the messenger, as it could be, of the church of the Laodiceans right. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. If you have a knock on your door and you find yourself confronted by the Jehovah Witnesses who deny totally the deity of Christ and tell you that he's just a created being, this is one of the verses they bring you to. That statement at the end there, the beginning of the creation of God, that tell you that Christ is the first thing God made. He was the beginning. However, if you take that word and look at it carefully, it should actually read the beginner of the creation of God. It's showing clearly that the Lord Jesus is not the, a created being, but rather he is the creator. 
the beginner of the creation of God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. He goes on, the Lord, in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. But I would, thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, the Lord is saying, you second me. Be one or the other. Be cold or hot. Be out and out or get out altogether. That's what he's saying to this church. You're sickened. Here's a verse that I found very striking. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, and increase with goods, and I need of nothing. Now here's the words that got me here. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. You wonder how you can be all those things and not know them. And yet in the age we're living in, in the state and condition of the church, sadly that's how things are. Now the Lord goes on, this is the verse I want to get at. I counsel thee to buy of me. So just think about that. There's payment. Buy of me. Go outside in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment, there's raiment following payment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint, there's ointment, thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be sinners therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will stop with him and he with me. We use that verse in the preaching of the gospel and have done over the years, but never was written to the unbeliever. It's written to an apostate church. And shows us that the Lord is looking for individuals. This is the day of the individual beyond a doubt. Verse 21. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. And now we have the challenge. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's all by way of reading today. The Lord will add his blessing to his own inspired and infallible word. In the ninth chapter, friends, of the prophecy of Isaiah, you find there that Isaiah lists out. A catalogue of names that belong to our Lord Jesus Christ exclusively. Normally we read them, refer to them, talk about them more at the Christmas season of the year. But this morning 
I want to make reference to them for a reason. Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Let us remember that he was the son given long before he was ever the child born. He was the lamb slain and that from the foundation of the world. He also goes on to tell us his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now some will tell you that the two should be taken as one. Well I can take it either way. Wonderful Counselor, two separate things, or Wonderful Counselor as one person, you see. Then he goes on the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. What a catalogue that is. What a Savior we have in Christ today. But I want to talk to you this morning about this wonderful counselor in action. Because there is just a possibility that I could need spiritual counsel. There is just a possibility that you could need it or we all could need And of course, from this reading that we have today, whether we need it or not, is going to be identified. Now this verse, verse number 18, is the verse I want to talk about. Where the Lord says, I counsel thee. So you can see that the risen Savior, your Savior and mine today, is talking to the individual. I counsel thee. He's not talking so much to the person behind you, or in front of you, or beside you. We're very good at that. Taking something and laying on the shoulders of others. But he's not doing that. He says, I'm talking to you. I counsel thee. And here's what I want to talk to you about. Now it's interesting. To buy of me. You might say it's salvation not free. Of course it is. For by grace are you saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But what is it he wants you to pay for? Well, here it is. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. What on earth does he mean? You see, friends, gold is a very interesting thing in our Bible. When you come to the judgment seat of Christ, there are six possibilities there in the life of any believer. I'll say a little more about that in a few moments. There's wood and there's hay and there's stubble, which is all carnal and fleshly. And then there's gold and silver and precious stones, which of course are all spiritual things. But gold is gold.
you can't make gold from an alloy of others. There are some other substances that are made from a combination of others. But gold is not. You either have gold or you haven't. And it talks to us today of the absolute purity of Christ. The Lord Jesus was holy, Godward. He was harmless, manward. He was undefiled, inward. And he was separate from sinners, worldward. The most unique person the world has ever seen. He could say, The prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. He could look his enemies in the eye, and he could challenge them. Which of you convinced me of sin? They were all silent, because no one could say a word against him. He went about doing good, heeding all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What a person the Lord Jesus was and still is. But gold side in the fire is a very remarkable statement. You see, if gold is tied in the fire, this is going to purge out any impurity that might be there. What has this got to do with our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let's see if we can discern that. When you go to the tabernacle, friends, and you enter in through the gate of the tabernacle. The first thing that confronts you is the brazen altar, the altar of brass. And in behind the brazen altar, you have the brazen labor filled with water. And of course, the purpose of the brazen labor was this if a person was involved, in the offering of a book or something similar upon that brazen altar, it was a messy business. It was a, bus a business of blood beyond the shadow of a doubt. I was talking about that in that meeting on Thursday night concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about Gethsemane with its sweat of blood. And then there was Gabbatha with its stripes of blood. And then you have Golgotha with the shedding of blood. It was a scene of blood all the way through. Paul reminding us, of course, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. For thank God, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us. From all sin. And that blood shall never lose its power. But you can understand. And I use language you can understand. The offering of a bullock on that altar was a messy business. And of course the offerers had to wash. That was the purpose of the labor. And of course we see in that Calvary. Where our sins are washed away. In the precious, precious blood of the Lamb. And then of course the labor is the mighty word of God which cleanses our life and sets us right on our Christian pathway to glory. Are you a 
a young lad one time who got saved. When it's our joy of leading or pointing our soul to the Lord, I always like to direct them to the gospel according to Mark. The reason why I do that is this. If you begin reading at the beginning of the Bible, and you came on those big words, my goodness, they would choke you trying to say them. You know, and it puts a young person off right away. Now, in Mark's gospel, there's none of them. The biggest word in Mark's gospel is the word immediately. Because Mark's gospel is the gospel of the sermon. The Lord Jesus immediately going about his father's business. But this young guy got saved, you see, and thank God for it. And he was starting to read in Genesis, you see. And he come across all these big words. And he was serving his time to be a bricklayer or something, you see. And working with him, or him working with this man, there was a Christian. A believer that was teaching him the tricks of the trade. And while they were working one day, he was sharing with him his difficulty in Bible reading. The man was working with a, a, a riddle. You know what I mean. One of these things you riddle sand and cement and stuff with. And he said to the young fellow, when he over to the top, he said, and uh, fill that riddle with water. And the young guy looked up. He said, how would you fill a riddle with water? The way you go and do it, he said. So he went and he turned on the tap. And of course the water was running through and through and through. The riddle was holding on. You see? And the young fellow said, I can't fill this with water. I know he says you can't. And you can't hold the Bible. Either. But he said, what's the water doing to the riddle? Oh, he says, it's cleaning it. But he says, that's exactly what the Bible will do for you. You may not be able to hold it or understand it all at the minute. But it will clean you. It will set you on the right path that leads to heaven and hope. Never forgotten that story. Thought it was very interesting. But you can see the operation within the tabernacle scene. Now, in every one of the sacrifices that was offered there on that brazen altar, the fire consumed the sacrifice. They were burned totally. The Hebrew said, I've been to the altar. I witnessed the Lamb burnt holy to ashes for me. That's the scene. Because it shows us the Lord Jesus Christ going through the fiery judgment of God. When he who knew no sin became a sin offering for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But here's the difference. This is what I want you to see. In all of those sacrifices, the fire consumed the offering, and the offering was completely burned entirely. But at Calvary, it wasn't the fire that consumed the offering, it was the offering that consumed the fire. 
Because the fire of God's wrath that should have been my due for eternity and yours as well, it was totally exhausted on Christ. Burnt up on him. He was the gold tried in the fire beyond the doubt. And he came out the other side and he cried, It is finished. Everything was done that needed to be done to secure your salvation and mine. And the offering lives on. He lives on today at the Father's right hand in the power of an endless life. I used to do a little bit of door-to-door uh, -door work and open-air work and so on, along with a dear brother from Nigeria. He was a remarkable character. He had four introductory letters, T-E-S-H, and his final word was Sabbath. Now, I don't know what those four introductory letters were at all. They, they, they were crazy. These names, you see, so we just called them Tesh. T-E-S-H, that's what they call Tesh was a character. You'd learn a lot from him. Come to me one day. He said, Brother Harvey, I said, what's wrong with you now, boy? He said, I'm so glad there's tea in the Bible. Well, I've fallen enough of a cup of tea, but I've never seen it in the Bible. Nothing new for me. And I said, Tess, what are you going on about, man? What are you up now? And he took me to that verse. It is finished. He said, take the tea out. And it reads, I is finished. But he said, the tea's in there. He wasn't talking about a cup of tea. He was talking about the letter tea. And that tea is there. Because if it wasn't, it would read, I is finished. That Christ has come to an end. No. He said, it is finished. The work is done. The task is complete. And the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, he lives on. Now he's saying to you and I, I counsel thee to buy of me. This is something that will cost you. Gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. What on earth does he mean? I may be talking to someone in this meeting today, I don't know, I can't, I don't know very few in the meeting this morning. But you may be here without the Savior, not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ personally, having never repented of your sin and opened your heart and brought Christ in, never had that experience. I want to tell you, it's available to you today. But it's going to cost you something. You said you just told me it was free. Ah, hold on a minute. Let me clear up, clarify this. It will cost you your sin. You can't come to Calvary and bring your sin and get it forgiven and go back to it tomorrow again. That's no good. You need to repent. You need to turn away completely from it. When John the Baptist went out to preach, you read this for yourself in the Gospels, the very first word he uttered was repent. He's away again. Everybody else is 
For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his first word. And a very short time later, the Lord Jesus came behind the forerunner, and that was the first word he uttered. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, friends, nobody's going to heaven bringing a mess of their sin with them. That can't be. There is a city bright, closed on its gates to sin, not the defileth, not the defileth shall ever enter in. And my friend, if you're here today and you're a non-Christian, and you would love to be saved. Oh, what a thrill it would be at the end of this little service today just to leave with you and lead you to the Savior and together we would close with Christ and you would rise a new creature in Christ. But that repentance is a must. There's no point in you asking God to forgive you for something that you're going to go back to tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. You need to turn away from it. I believe in a turn or a burn gospel. That's how it is. Sin must be repented of. Go try to define it. I'm sure if you're rid of sin, you'll have never off the level anyway. Because look who you'll get in this place. You'll get Christ. The one who died for you. The one who loved you even unto death. The one who bore your sin on his own body on the tree. The one who was crucified at Calvary. The one who sunk in the deep mire where there is no standing. The one who did everything that needed to be done in order that you could be saved. You could go through that door hand in hand with Christ today. Wouldn't that be lovely? I of Christ. What want I more? What a change he makes. All has changed when Jesus comes to stay. This chapter makes it clear. If you're prepared to repent of your sin, friend, and open your heart and bring Jesus in, he's willing to come in. I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. And you can take a living, loving Savior home with you. Wouldn't that be great today? What an experience. How does this apply to believers? After all, it was written to go try to find. If it would cost the unbeliever their sin, now, it would cost the believer not sin, but self. You see, God's people at times can be a very self-centered people. Centered on their own interests. I'm glad as I look down today to see quite a number of young people in this service. I'm so glad you're here. And I keep telling young people this, you know, that I'm sure you're coming up against all these exams and what have you at school and doing well. At least I hope you're doing well and I hope you do. I wish you all the very best. Trust that God's people are praying for you and make every success of it. But look, did you ever think of serving the Lord? Did you? Why is it that we seem to put everything in this world first and then 
at times the things of God come in for a very bad second. I remember when I became a Christian at first and the whole preaching issue rose. I was waiting on exam results. And myself and a colleague, we began doing a little bit of open air work and all that sort of thing. And then we started doing missions and what have you. Whenever the exam results finally came through, we had started out in a preaching ministry. And we were both teenagers. He was 17 and I was 18. Two old fellows, I can tell you. We had a lot to learn. And a big lot to learn. Thank God for those who taught us. Now remember when these certificate things come through, my mother said to me, what are you going to do with them? I said, they'll need a nice picture. That was all I was ever done. Why? Because we were on the way to serve the Lord and to do it with all of our heart. I've been there for 61 years now. That's quite a wee while. I've never regretted a day. Gold tried in the fire. Thou that makes me rich. In all the churches I've had the privilege of pastoring, I've always constantly tell the people this. It is my ambition, and I see nothing wrong with this, to hear the Savior say to me one day, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of my Lord. But I was always quick to tell them this, I've got the same ambition for you. God first. Make me a little cake first. Why I'm maybe laboring that a little bit this morning is I got a book handed to me by a very good friend of mine. And uh, she said to me, You would be interested in reading that. She said, I picked this up in a second hand bookshop. She said, I've read it. I'm sure it will be of interest to you. I said, Why? She said, it's the story of Amy Carmichael. Now, maybe you know or maybe you don't know, but I'm an arts financial man, and so was Amy Carmichael. She came from a lie, like Northern Valley Albert. That's where I was born and brought up. And that's why this lady said to me, that book should be of interest to you to read it. I want to tell you, friends, I couldn't put it down to a finish. I read it in one day. The story of that lady who came from that part of the world and what mighty achievements in India. What mighty achievements. And when I finished the book, I felt like saying, praise God for this. But I wonder what would have happened if she had stayed at home. Ah, oh, yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't let self ride in the sand. Don't do that. That would be an absolute tragedy. Payment. Be prepared to pay the price. Go through with God. Your vows to pay. You're all up on the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to you God's very best. That's absolutely true. Let's go a wee bit to the rim. And quite great that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. I've never seen, apart from brides, people very often dressed in white. Never seen that. 
my late wife was alive, she used to have this idea of wanting to wash and arm white shirts. I hate them. He couldn't keep them clean. And uh, so if I got one well dirty, I hit it out of the roads. <laughs> but uh, she always managed to find it. But that's the thing. What is this anyway? Well, white is normally the regalia of a bride. Very normally. And you know, friends, the white raiment here speaks of that which we're hoping to attain at the judgment seat of Christ. Because what we receive or attain at the judgment seat of Christ is going to be our wedding garment at the marriage of the Lamb up in heaven and the marriage supper of the Lamb down on earth. The reality of the matter is this. This is what I want you to think about. Every day you live in this world, you are weaving your wedding garment. What does he mean that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear? You wouldn't want to go to a wedding in rags and tatters, would you? It would be unthinkable. But that's barely possible for a believer to leave the judgment seat of Christ in disgrace. Aye. The gold, the silver, the precious stones is the white raiment, the wood, the hay, the stubble is the rags and tatters. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to say something that will shock you. I've been talking a wee bit to the younger believers this morning. Let me say a wee word to some of you, maybe a wee bit more advanced. Do you know what you're going to up in heaven as a believer? Do you know the reward that's going to be yours? You say, I never thought very much about that. Matter of fact, I've never met anybody give me a satisfactory answer to that. Never. But my friend, you ought to know. Paul. He's going up the steps to lay down his life to the Lord. He's going to be beheaded. And here's what he said. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now listen to this. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. Ah, you say that is Paul. Ah, but listen to how it goes on. And not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Paul knew it. I should know it. So should you, as a believer, what we're going to in heaven. That's very soul-searching. really is. I said that in a meeting one night. Oh, some time back, an old guy came up to me afterwards, and an old lady, and they came up to me in tears. And I looked at the two of them, and I thought at first they were man and wife, but they weren't. And the two of them come up, and I said, what, 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 what have I said to her this? 
Oh, they said, what you said? I said, well, it's like a reptile. I said, okay. And he looked at me, he did the talking, and he said, my wife and I came here for, he said, so many years. And Sarah here and her husband came here for so many years. My wife and her husband was dying. They're missing. Their seat is empty. We had a lifetime to make sure someone would fill that seat when they were gone and we just never bothered. The Lord brought you to glory next Sunday. Who's here to take your place? Or will the work founder? But you say to me, what can I do? Get the whole some old sinner, bring them into the meeting tonight. Bring them into the struggle tonight. I've done it. Don't be a bit scared of what the devil will try to turn you by. I've done this. I lived with a lady one night and didn't know what a lady. Until I got into the meeting with the shop of my life and was chopping bricks at the building. And I went out after and got the hold of her to the back of the neck and landed her in the front seat and I got the shop of my life. It was a woman. I thought of a man. Do you know where she is today? She's out in Wales, married to a pastor, serving the Lord full time. That's where she Sometimes you've got to just not look so soft. Take the other devil to the Lord. Deal with him. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Since this COVID thing came in, I've seen so many places, sadly, whose doors are shut today and they'll maybe never open again. Why? Because there was a generation there and this COVID claimed a lot of them. And there's not enough there not to keep the work running. I was in a place three weeks ago today and I happened to say to the brother who led the meeting about two men I knew very well that were in this fellowship I said uh, those two men weren't here today no I said they won't be back I said why? well he said the COVID claimed them they both died here. I said right but again two empty seats very very sad very sad do you want a white raiment at the judgment seat? Well, if you do, ask the Lord to lead you to a soul today. You think we used to sing, Lead me to some soul today. Teach me, Lord, just what to say. Friends of mine have, are lost in sin and cannot find their way. Few there are who seem to care and few there are who pray. Melt my heart and fill my life to give me one soul today. First time, I must quickly go for my time straight away. The first time that I did a gospel mission in the Irish public, I did a lot of it. I was down there last week again. I was amazed at some of the things I saw. The first one I had was in Limerick City. And it was the only time in my life that I did a gospel mission with people who came from the opposite side of the religious divide. I'm being very careful with the way I put that, but you know what I'm trying to say. They were all converted from that side of the religious divide. They had a motto 
for that mission. I've never forgotten this. The motto was, everyone find one. Everyone win one. How'd that do you say? Before the mission was over, my friend, it was 100% success. Every one of them had found a poor sinner and brought them to the Savior. It was complete success. Oh, that we could get God's people to do that. And it can be done. It can be done. Very interesting when you try. And the Lord help us all to gain that right reality. The final thing, I'm just a couple of words and I'll have to stop. The shame of my nakedness do not appear. I remember a bride <coughs> at a wedding that I was doing one time. I felt so sorry for the girl because she tripped and fell on her way into the church. And it messed up the dress terribly. You know, they talked to me about this. She was in tears. Nothing could be done very much. Trying to get her sorted as best they could. But, you know, it, it messed the dress up terribly. I think you know what I'm trying to say. Ointment. And anoint thy eyes with eyes salve. That thou may see. Do we need that? <coughs> Talking there about COVID. I bought it. And you have to use them when you do that, you know. We start up things. You know what I'm talking about. Why are you talking about that? You say, what are you talking about? I was getting one of these, could I get this thing off the end of this? And I stood there and I stood there and I looked at it and I thought, I got an iPhone. Right under my eye. You talk about sore. And each, I thought I had COVID in the eye. I've never felt the light of it in my life. I had to go for eye saw. I couldn't see right, drive right, or anything for days. The doctor gave me stuff to counteract this, which eventually it did. Do we need eye solve today? What do you mean you say? Listen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. How do you vision for sinners heading for a lost eternity? Or do we just let them go on? And the Lord anoint our eyes with eyesight that we may see and become evangelical in our living to bring the lost and the Savior. My time is away. God bless you. And his word to everyone.